Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have a few minutes to share the word of God with you. You see, what I'm about to share with you is one of those sermons that can only be communicated by the help of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you preach a sermon that people desperately need and they get it, that's a miracle. I'm telling you it's a miracle that you preach a sermon and that as the Word of God promises, According to its reputation, it is a double-edged sword in the hearts of men. And it causes people to bleed like some people, you know, they are bleeding in repentance. Like, God, this must change about me. You know, and the word of God literally cuts out parts of their life that are inconsistent. I'm telling you, it's a miracle. You know, and it's, it's my prayer this morning that the word of God will have that effect in your life. Say loud, amen. amen. Because you really need what I'm about to share. You really need it. I want to start with a story that we all know. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible tells us that Saul who had been tormenting the church, oppressing the church, arresting people, got a letter permitting him to arrest even more people. And on his way to Damascus, ready to arrest even more people, suddenly, a bright light shone in front of him. He fell off his horse, you know, and then suddenly a voice, saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? Listen, I don't know, but man, each time I read this, my mind just comes to something that some of you have experienced before. Have you ever had a normal interaction with someone who has spiritual backing? I mean negative spirituality. <laughs> well, that's nothing to you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know that, right? You know, but... When you maybe you see in Hollywood movies, people have a simple quarrel and, and they just go like, You're talking to me, and they snap a finger, and you have one nasty dream. <laughs> God forbid, maybe three old women come to you, or something like that. I'm a pastor, I've, I've seen many things. But just, just imagine the dilemma of Saul. Yes, I know that I've stepped on toes. But this voice that I'm hearing, I don't know you. And you said I'm persecuting you. How, sir? How? Yeah, I've not been nice to some Christians, but who are you? You know, this is the problem with some of us. We are selectively nice and selectively kind. And we show selective honor. We show honor to people who are more powerful than we are. There was something I saw just at the fuel station. 
this guy who wanted to buy a phone was trying to oppress the fuel attendant. And just a simple argument said, if I slap you. And so the fuel attendant called someone, I think the head of security, and that guy came out. There are only few people I've seen in my life bigger than that guy. He just came. You know, and you know Nigerian, the way we, we like to do it. He said, you must slap him today. <laughs> and the guy began to stutter. He, he said, it's not you I'm talking to. No. And, you know, so what the guy was trying to communicate is, we are a team. Don't say it's not me you are talking to. <laughs> it's the same thing here. Yeah, I've been nice to those Christians that do too much. I, I, I beg your pardon. I haven't been nice to those Christians who do too much. I want them to stop. I want to arrest them. And then this great, powerful being appears in front of me, calls my name twice. And says, why are you persecuting me? I don't know you, sir. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. And I am the one you are persecuting. Let me tell you this. It would, it would have still been a good story had Jesus said, why are you persecuting my children? Or why are you persecuting my family? He didn't say that. He said, why are you persecuting me? Oh God, please listen to this. Listen to this. This is serious. And I'm telling you, this information, you will need it when you see Jesus. If you learn what I'm telling you, it will make you better prepared to meet Jesus. This story tells us something very profound. It tells us that Jesus takes personal the way you treat his church. I know that every one of us doesn't mind being nice to God. I mean, we've prayed this morning and some of you said nice things. But some untrained Christians who don't understand what I'm teaching might be in the workforce beefing someone in the workforce but saying nice things to God and I'm telling you it doesn't work that way he sees it as an affront to his own personality why are you persecuting not someone I care about but me he takes it personal oh this is life changing and in fact for some of you this is a warning because you see Saul wouldn't have done anything to offend that guy he wouldn't have done anything to offend that voice that he heard only a crazy person would dare but to the other people this divine being says it is me you are doing it to so now part of Christian training is to learn that everything I do to the brethren, everything I do to the church, I am doing it to God. Listen, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to you or not. I am telling you this is a spiritual fact that everything you do to the brethren, everything you do to the church, you are doing it to God. I know that we live in a culture that, you know, honors people we think are honorable. 
and treats everyone else like trash. It doesn't work in the kingdom. Why are you persecuting me? Just in case you're not convinced, I'll give you another text. Matthew chapter 25. From verse 31, Jesus speaking, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His holy, holy angels with Him, He will sit upon the throne of His glory. It says, And all nations shall be gathered before Him. And he says he will separate the sheep from the goats. He's not talking about Lionel Messi. Not that type of goat. <laughs> He's talking about people who are unrenewed and in fact unconverted. Separate the sheep from the goat. And this is what he will say to the sheep on the right hand. He said, for I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Oh my God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know, in your natural training, there are some people who will come to you now and say, Can you give me 10,000 error? And you will say, probably say, oh, I don't have that money right now. And there are some other people who will come to you and say, can you give me 50,000 naira? And if you don't have it, you will borrow. Mind you, it's not everybody who should come to you that you should listen to. There's a balance to it. I, if, you, if you want to understand the balance, listen to a sermon I preached years ago, Welfare Code. There is a biblical teaching. For those kind of things. But I just use that to explain to you that in our natural proclivity, we are selective in the way we show love and the way we show honor. So it's not really about what we have, it's about who is asking. Jesus will never come to you and ask for anything. And you will not go to, you know, I mean, to the ends of the earth to make sure that he's comfortable. If it was Jesus personally, it's easy. But then, the people to whom he's talking, even they are surprised. You came to me hungry and I gave you food. Why? How? When were you hungry and I gave you food? When were you naked and I gave you clothing? When were you thirsty and I gave you drink? And then Jesus says, if you do this to the least of my brethren, Oh my God. If you did this to the least of these, you have done it to me. This is what we call area of concentration in exams. This is going to change your life. If you do this to the least of the brethren. So it means every time someone who is blood-bought, sanctified, saved, comes to me, genuinely for help because there are all kinds of people you know what I'm saying I, <laughs> I, I don't want to have to balance this sermon but just listen to this 
as much as is within my power. As much as it is within my power, I should help. And if I do, as far as Jesus is concerned, it was a personal favor to him. And when I see him, he's not going to say, oh, you did this for someone I care about. He's going to say, you did this for me. Because the spiritual logic is, if you cannot honor the men that you can see, how will you honor God who you cannot see? So he takes the way you treat his church, his body, as though you were treating him that way. Come on, do you get it? This is serious. Oh my God. I'm not going to lie to you. Even as your pastor, this makes me quiver. Like I, I'm, I'm scared of this. That's not the scariest one. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. Jesus refers to people who belong to his kingdom as having the humility of the child. And then he says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, It would be better for him to put a millstone. Sorry, let me read that right. He didn't say it would be better for him to put a millstone. It would be better if a millstone... Do you see the difference? The first one is he did it to himself. That's not what the Bible says. The second one is they did it to him. Okay? So this text is not advocating for suicide at all. It says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Meaning, if such a person died a horrible death, that will still be better compared to the kind of judgment that such a person is going to face. This is the word of the Lord. And you know, you know, it, oh my God. When I read all of this, I discover one thing immediately. First and foremost, when we talk about church, we don't really understand what the Bible is describing. There is a gap in the description. Because for us, let's be honest, it's not that deep. Are we, are we honest? You know, when you're reading it, like, sir, are we not taking this thing too far? <laughs> it's not that deep. How do you join church? A friend invites you, you come around, ah, you like the music, the pastor didn't preach bad, and so you're going to stay. And people leave for the most flimsy reasons. The most flimsy. And I don't even want to give examples. The most flimsy. Because it's not that deep. And as far as you're concerned, you have options. 
So it's just like KFC, you know, you're just like restaurants. You know, do you have, oh, do, the food will be ready in 30 minutes. I'm hungry now. I need a, I need a restaurant, you know, that, ha, that has food ready to eat. So you go to another place. That's the kind of mentality, consciously or unconsciously, that some of us have. But when you read this, it's important you know that Jesus sees church differently. And I can point out many differences. <laughs> you know, first and foremost, church in our day is a lot more sophisticated. For them to have church in Bible days, all they needed to do was to gather. That's all. <laughs> That's all. But now, we need a certain type of keyboard and a certain type of microphone and a certain type of venue. And let's be honest, honest all of that is good. In fact, there are several huge advantages. I mean, just think about it. That in today's day, you can have hundreds of thousands of people in a place and one man will speak and they all hear. Technology is a blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is a blessing. But sometimes it has its disadvantages. Because some of us have forgotten that even though these things are beneficial, they are not what make us a church. We've forgotten. And so if we are worshiping and our worship is honest and you know, we're, 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 I mean, we feel like we're in the third heaven already and then all of a sudden there's a power surge and the keyboard is not working. You know, some people literally, it feels like you suck them from heaven down to earth and they're like, what's going on? And they are waiting for the keyboard to come back on so that their worship can also come back on. So your worship and your devotion is powered by electricity. Your devotion is tech enabled. It's a problem. It's a problem. And so once upon a time, people could just gather together and for no other reason but the lyrics of the song. No keyboard, nothing as great as all those things. Are. For God's sake, you know I love those things. You know, but for no other reason but the lyrics, the message. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know thus says the Lord. And people are crying, crying and worshiping. Oh my God, haven't we lost something? Don't we need to get our focus back? Don't we need to get our focus back? How powerful we will be if that was our focus. If we didn't need to be incentivized to come to church, it was just the word of God. It's the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the word doesn't need, thank God if, you know, there are other things, there are props on stage and brilliant illustrations, you know, but if, imagine I could just open Ephesians chapter 5 and read it to you and explain it and you leave with your heart warmed and you are blessed. 
Imagine the songs just spoke about Jesus. Just spoke about the cross. Just spoke about our reality in Christ. And you're okay with that. It, it doesn't always have to be embellished with all those things. Some people go so far as to abominate anything that is excellent, anything that is fun, you know, and all of that. And that's not what I'm saying. But then there is a breed of Christians that literally cannot survive without all those embellishments. And it's a problem. Even the music has to sound so... Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, 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 you know, you know? And let me catch you. Let me catch you. Let me catch you. We can argue if that's right or wrong. But let me catch you and answer this honestly. If while you are doing that... Your eyes just opened and you saw Jesus. Will you adjust? That's the question I have. Will you adjust? You know, we can argue if it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, if you saw Jesus, will you adjust? To be clear, my answer is no. <laughs> my own answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because anything I do, I do from my spirit. Even when I'm laughing or playing, do you understand in the service? But some of us, it is something else we have in mind, you know. And listen, we know that you are at least saved when you can be honest when we're discussing things like this. Now vibes, now vibes. At least be honest about that one so that we can correct ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so listen, it's not about the beats. The Bible has no beat preference. There is no heavenly sound. There is no tape recorder that any one of us has heard. Do you understand what I'm saying? And these things vary from culture to culture. And Africans, our beat styles are more upbeat, you know, and more, maybe, do you understand, more energetic. And it doesn't necessarily make it more spiritual. What makes it spiritual is the sincerity of the heart. And in truth, the person to whom it is directed we are not doing it just to feel good. We are doing it to worship. We are not doing it to be a happening church. Come on, can we talk about this? We are not doing this so that more people will come. And that's part of what I want to talk about. Listen, I want to be very careful in the way I phrase what I'm about to say. Are you aware that strictly speaking, the precursor for joining a church in the Bible was that you were born again. And the Bible, the Bible says, time and time again in the book of Acts, and as, as many as would be saved were added to the church. And that's not to say that people who are seekers cannot come to church there, I mean, there's a lot of evidence. I mean, just look at the Acts 2. The advent of the Spirit. That as all that beauty was happening in the upper room, 
some other people got to hear it. And their curiosity gathered them together to say what is happening here. And that was occasion for Peter to preach to them and thousands of them were saved on the spot. You know, so that's powerful. So it's great to have events, you know, that can bring all and sundry. In fact, the reason Paul was teaching on tongues, for instance, the gift of tongues, and the way it is done in the church, the reason he's doing, he's doing that is this. He said, if you're doing it this way, and someone who occupies the position of the online, the seat of the online, someone, someone who is not exposed to spiritual things, sees you or hears you do it this way, what will they think? That means implicitly that Paul expected, do you understand what I'm saying? Also have services where such people will come. But I'm telling you and listen to me, especially those of you who are ministers of the gospel here, that by actual biblical design, the offering of the church should make sense for people whose appetites have changed. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of miracles that must happen for you to have church. Even from the definition church, called out gathering. The gathering is for people who are called out. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to be called out to really have the gathering the way God intended it. And I'm not saying this, you know, to exclude anybody. I'm saying this because we need to remember like what God's actual design is. It's a called out gathering. People with the miracle of change desires. If you then be risen with Christ, what you seek will be different. Colossians 3.1 Seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So when we gather together as people who are risen with Christ, it will show in our affection. It will show in our priority. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to give you Five miracles that happen when called out people gather. Five miracles. Oh my God, please, I can kneel and beg you. There is a culture, particularly in this vicinity, the island of Lagos. We are great on religion, but we are nomadic. Commitment to church is hanging by the thread. And so when we have a special program, the whole place is packed. And so some people have become professionals at, at project management, thinking that's church. So we're always putting programs to keep you busy, you know, and so that more people will keep coming. And that's wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I believe that a clear mark of doing church should be sincerity in such a way that when we're inviting a guest artist or musician or minister, we're doing that because we sense prophetically 
that there is something that person has to offer for the service and the direction of the flow of the Spirit in that particular service, not because of the popularity of the person. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm going to share more on this at the minister's conference because, you see, low-key, this is why we don't even really honor guests as we should. Because we don't truly value them. We want to use them to get more people in our churches. That's why. That's why some churches invite guest ministers, guest pastors with no plan for their welfare. No plan. Because truth is, we don't honor these people. We don't. You want to use them. And so they see it. And some of them have responded. They have become professional. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is also wrong. But because some people don't know how to just flow with the love of Christ and do the right thing, they have to protect themselves. They, they, they will give you form to fill. You want to invite us, speak to this person, fill this form. Be, be, because it no longer comes naturally. A, a, a guest musician in this country, one of the people who believes he doesn't need to charge, they invited him out of the country. He flew with his team on his own, from his own pocket. Flew with his, out of the country. Are you listening to me? And when it was done, they said, God bless you. We were so blessed. You know, so now, he and his team are at the airport. No money. Wondering how they will return. Ah, we were so blessed. Thank you very much. Ah, did you see the, the way the Lord moved as you were singing? Thank you. God bless you. See you later. You know, and this is the kind of culture that consciously or unconsciously we encourage. Even in this church, some of you, you wait for the banner, then you check to see if my face is on it. Ah, yeah, you thought I won't go there. <laughs> you know? And let me tell you this. First and foremost, thank you. I'm being honest. Thank you. You know, that you believe in my ministry so much. Some of you, the reason you do that is because you live so far away. And so it takes a lot of sacrifice to come all the way, you know. And so subconsciously, you want to be sure that it's apostle, you had all of that. But, but you know what? We can't have church that way. That's not church. That's program, not church. I'm tired of people Coming, calling regular programs church. We need to understand what church is. That's not church. You can't do church that way. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how great you think I preach. If people only come because I'm coming, I failed. I'm telling you. It means, first and foremost, you don't believe in the people I've trained. And then, secondly, it's some form of religious idolatry. This celebrity. It's, it's, I want you to have 
so much honor for the word of God, whoever is talking. Whoever. That's how we know that we, un we understand what this is about. Praise the Lord. So these are the miracles I want to talk about. The first miracle that will happen when I'm not just gathering, you know, so, for some, because some, for some people, the same strategy you gather people for a comedy show, you know, or for a secular music show, the same strategy for church. Just put solid lineup on the banner and then they are incentivized to come. But when it's an actual conversion, that is preempting the gathering, like the ecclesia of the Bible. That, that's the design. Called out gathering. The first thing that will happen is the miracle of family. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Where people you never knew from Adam, you only met in the fellowship. As time went on, more and more, you began to see them as family. And you develop a bond that is as strong as any biological tie that you've had. And maybe even stronger. Now, what I'm saying takes a miracle. Because you can't do this and not get your fingers burnt once in a while. Oh my God. You will see all kinds of human beings in church. But God's mind about this will not change. Do you understand what I'm saying? He still wants us to see each other as family. And that's going to take a miracle. That despite all the church hurt you've experienced, you don't give up on this. Because some of you to protect yourself and to protect your vulnerability, you do the barest minimum. You know, you come quite all right. But listen, some of you have probably never spoken to anybody and you've been coming to this church for months. Before we are done with the service, you disappear. That's not church. It's a modern style of church. But it's so foreign from the Bible. And it's even more pronounced, you know, in vicinities that are, you know, where people demographically are doing better financially and all of that. It, it's, it's, can I speak to you? I'm your pastor. You know, I love you. You know, so it's, it's, it's a show of pride. You want to keep your honor and your freshness by all means. And the devil knows how to catch us. Have you noticed? Ah, Jesus, I'm really going to talk today. Have you noticed that when people hit a certain level of popularity, they can't come to church anymore? Some of it is you people, it's your fault. Because when they come to church and they're trying to focus on Jesus, they turn around and they are seeing some of your cameras on. So they're so conscious after a while, they try, but they can't, they can't anymore. We've made it impossible for such people. Impossible. 
I remember the last time I went to like a really public restaurant. I'm just with my friend eating, you know, and then with my toothpick, I talked like this. I saw video camera. <laughs> God. Another time, I was stopped, you know, at, a, at an army checkpoint because Lawrence was driving and Lawrence gives Yahoo boy vibes. <laughs> I love you, Lawrence. You know? So they stopped us, you know, and I don't like to just put out, I am, um, you know, do, do you understand? Do your work and let's go. Treat me like everyone else. So they wanted to do a search. They told us to calm down. And as, as I'm there, Someone is trying to video. I don't know what, how they were trying to spin the story. Do you understand? All kinds of things. You'll just be praying for me, you know? So it was even another soldier that caught the guy and brought the guy to me. He said, this guy, they video you. So he now said uh, that he just wanted to send me the video later and say he saw me. Listen, I can go on and on. So he was then, the soldier said, ah, why didn't you tell me you are a pastor? Oh, sorry, go. You know, you know, and all of that. But, but listen, at the end of the day, the kind of reasons for which people stop coming also reflect the importance they place on the gathering. Because if church is family, there's nowhere to go. Some of you have nasty relatives, biological relatives. You cope with them. How much more church? Do you understand what I'm saying? And you, you, you're learning to accommodate people's excesses. It's, it's an evangelical work because God is working on some people. Don't, with your lack of patience, frustrate their process. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because some people are just finding their way. But you expect everybody to be perfect. It's a problem. And so it's, it's a miracle when, you know, oh my God, something happened in Matthew chapter 12. From verse 46, Jesus was preaching to a multitude. And then the Bible says that his biological mother and brothers came and asked for him. So someone came to say, your mother and brothers are looking for you. You know what Jesus said? He said, who is my mother? Hey, God. <laughs> Jesus said, he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He pointed to the people listening to him preach. He says, these are my mother and my brothers. He says, anyone who hears the word of God and does them, that's family. Because you see, when it comes to biological ties, we say things like blood is thicker than water. Guess what? We're also united by blood. In fact, our tie is stronger because you see, nobody 
in your biological family died for you. They gave birth to you, but they didn't die for you. We are united by blood. As I'm standing here, I know people who are not my biological family that can take a bullet for me. I have no doubts that they can. They go through unimaginable length, you know, to be there for me and all of that. And, you know, it's, it's part of the blessings of Koinonia. Like, God, thank you. Thank you for that. That because of you, I inherited brothers and sisters and family. There are some people, some of my relatives will first maybe betray me or deny me before them. Some of you know what I'm saying. Some of you have people like that. I'm, uh, uh, just in case my family is, is watching. I mean extended family, not nuclear. <laughs> I mean, that's why Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 19 verse 29, he says, everyone who has left house Matthew 19:29 left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake will reap or receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life so meaning even if they kick you out because you believe in Jesus there must be family I'm, do you understand what I'm saying you will have 1000 in fact 100 do you understand what one hundred thousand in replacements. Hallelujah. You know, so he, he's saying, even if you find yourself in a precarious situation where your biological family gives up on you, there should be hundred families in Christ ready to receive you immediately. Uh, they say you're not going to come. <laughs> so by God's design, nobody should be able to use that to torment you. Uh, we will disown you. Ah, uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> For church? Come. If you, don't fall, if you don't stop calling this Jesus, we will seize your car. We will buy it back. <laughs> we will buy it back fast. It's a miracle. Because some people try to take advantage of these kind of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? They do. The second miracle is love for the fellowship of the saints. The reason I want to separate this from the first point is because just because you consider someone family doesn't mean you actually have regular fellowship with the person. Some of you have oh my god there is an ungodly culture in this city where you can have your biological relatives in the same lagos and you don't see in months maybe a year is that true or false it's an ungodly culture but we get so swamped with work but in the realm of the spirit is different where paul tells the church at ephesus ephesians 1 15 wherefore i also ever since i heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto the saints. In fact, he knew that they had faith in the Lord Jesus by their love for the saints. 
He knew it by their love. And John says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Listen, meaning by your attitude, I have the right to invalidate whatever confession of faith you claim to have. You couldn't possibly be saved and act this way and be so indifferent about God and his church. It's not possible. Because don't forget where we started. If you are doing this to the brethren, you are doing this to Christ. You can't do this to Christ. Love for the saints. So it's a miracle. Where? You, listen. Oh my God. Watch every other the aspect of your life. When you develop interests, you look for interest groups. It's just the way it works. That's why we have tech Twitter and legal Twitter and all of that because you see even Twitter has learned to curate content that is consistent with your interest. You, it, it, come on, are, are you talking to me or not? Let me put this to you. How many of you could barely survive the lockdown during COVID? Like it felt like you were losing your mind. You you, the, the importance of fellowship was reiterated more than ever before to you. Raise your hand, let me see. Be honest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, that means, okay, so only five people are there. Raise your hand now. <laughs> okay, maybe it's only me. It got to a time I just drove around the estates, you know, <laughs> just for sanity. Don't lie. You love fellowship. You just don't raise church that much. And it's a problem. The COVID lockdown has made it clear to God what your view on social interaction really is. No matter what you claim your doctrine is about gathering and how important it is, you value association more than you're willing to admit. And make no mistake, it's a problem. If you don't find this internal longing to be with people who also love to pray, to be with people who also love Jesus, who also love to worship, you, you don't have that desire. It is symptomatic of something more serious than you realize. Because I'm telling you unequivocally that faith in the Lord Jesus is always followed by love for the saints. Always. Always. Please, are you listening to that? It, is, it, it was worth fighting for in the Bible. God told Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. Listen, some of you think it was just a noble move that God made, that ah, you've been oppressing these people, let them go. No, it was, it was beyond nobility. It was worship that they may serve me. Allow them to have the freedom to, to fellowship and to worship. You know, and if you don't allow them, there will be plagues 
that God went just tells you how important the fellowship is. Do you get what I just said? So what is the first miracle? And what's the second? And number three is love for the word of God. Love for the word of God. Huh. You know, Paul was preaching for a long time, writing to the Romans. He had done chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. He gets to chapter 11, verse 33. He takes a pause to say, All the depth of the riches, both of the knowledge and the wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. All the depth, all the depth. Oh, the depth. Now, this is a miracle. For you to love the word of God this way. For you to have pondered about spiritual things so much. You know, have you ever blotted out and, you know, and had this outburst of appreciation for the wisdom of God in his word? Have you ever read the Bible and it got to a point and you're like, ah, God. You know, if, if, listen, this is what Paul was praying that you would experience. With the saints. Because the saints, the saints experience it. He says, I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He might grant you to be strengthened by, you know, by the Spirit in your inner man. And He says that you might comprehend with the saints the length, the breadth, the depth. He, so, so when you come to church, and you are unconverted. What I expect to happen is you see people so joyful. And you know they are not joyful because they have a lot of money. Or because the situation in the country is right. And you know, if you are not saved, you must want what they have. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. You, you must see depth in the word of God. You can travel far for school, travel far for wedding. What about reboot camp? Oh, I'm, I'm being honest with you. You know, spiritual things unparalleled. The Bible says, buy the truth, sell it not. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's an investment. It's an investment. Thank God for online church. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Come on, some of you know it. It's not the same. It's not the same. And when Prophetically, I said there is someone here more often than not. Is someone actually here, not online? But I'm just talking about the word of God. Some of you can go one month without hearing the word of God. Listen, you should cry. 
And if you haven't cried about it, that's something to cry about. You cried that you didn't cry. That how did I go this long without church? You know, I remember, you know, when I just got filled with the Spirit, you know, and all of that. <laughs> I had to balance it. It was the other extreme. I remember, okay, for instance, on my convocation ceremony, the morning of that day, I woke up early. I was reading 1 Corinthians, and it was sparking my brain. Like, the time passed, you know, I had to just bathe, you know, and wear that gown and go and, you know, so I remember, God forgive me. I, oh my God, my parents attend this church, Jesus. You know, so they were celebrating me, congratulations. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, let this end. I was picturing my Bible open on the table in the room. Like, I can't wait to get back. Finish what I, you know, finish what I started this morning. Like I said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that God can walk in your heart. I'm going to stop here. There's a lot more I can share, but time is far spent. But listen, God wants you to enjoy fellowship with others besides yourself. Not just reading the Bible to yourself and feeling happy. You know, some people say, I'm the church. That's both right and wrong. Because we are the body of Christ. Say loud, amen. amen. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. I'll touch on the last one quickly. You, you must love prayer. That's not the last one, but I will stop there. You love prayer. You know, I was, as I was meditating, I thought about this. Just imagine Jesus ascending. Before he ascended, he had told the disciples, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so they started to gather together in the upper room. They don't know when this power from on high will come. Ay, Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the first day, they were praying, and guess what? They were praying in their known language. Have you ever tried to pray a whole day in English? <laughs> Maybe you should try it. It will task your knowledge of the scriptures. Because some of you, every three sentences, you, be, you become idiosyncratic. You'll be repeating the same thing. Have you seen people? Every, almost everybody has this idiosyncrasy. They repeat, everlasting Father, King of glory, I thank you. Everlasting Father, King. Some of you is, oh Lord God Almighty, you know. I, why are you repeating it? You are so robotic. You, you, you haven't learned to just free yourself and you know, pray using your mind, your knowledge of the scriptures and your spirit and invest your emotions. It takes a miracle to love praying with people. Ah, I pray alone, but praying with people hits different. It's different. And someone who works in my office, you know, one day, I said, come, let's pray together. Let me, let me use your grace more. <laughs> because, you know, that, that might have been a dramatic way of putting it. But you see, there is something about the graces in others. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That has this cumulative effect that makes you fly easy. It makes you fly easy. 
It makes you fly easy. Corporate prayer. You, the fact that you have an argument for gathering might be a problem. Or against gathering, is it really necessary? You, you are you're already backsliding. Do you understand what I'm saying? You should love. See, David said, I was glad. So, now they are waiting. So they pray day one, nothing happens. They pray day two, nothing happens. They pray day three, nothing happens. Some of you, by day four, you say, you know what, I'll be back. Let me just go and buy bread. By the time you're, as you're buying that bread, that's when the spirit will come. <laughs> well, if you're lucky, just the same way it happened at the time of Moses, even those who were still in the camp got it. Yeah. That's the mercy of God. But it also talks about the power of routine, the fact that they stayed. They didn't know when. So from the ascension to the Pentecost, theologians say it was 10 days. Ten full days praying. You know, I was reading in a book, and I, I, you know, I read about a particular church that came together and read the Bible out loud, beginning to end. They took turns. It took them three days. Okay, you will read chapter one, Genesis, chapter two, like that. They took turns. They read it out loud. And you're like, ah, Jesus. But if not serious. <laughs> you, you, listen, you have to redirect your desires. There is a fondness for the scriptures you will never have until you spend time with it. It takes time to develop fondness. It takes time. God wants to walk that miracle in us. Say loud, Amen. I don't think it's too early to say this, but one of my greatest prayers for next year, I don't care how God is going to do it, this year will be the last time we won't have midweek service or midweek service will be online for Island Church. It's the last time. Last time. Don't, see, I've wanted this thing, so <laughs> it's condition. <laughs> and that's why listen I believe in prosperity now that's, that statement can be misinterpreted in different ways because people who say the same thing probably mean different things but I don't want money to ever hinder us from just focusing do you understand what I'm saying and we're close don't worry some things are happening So, but as it stands, average of 100 hours, you know, annually, it costs us a lot of money. I, that's what, let me just leave it like that right now. So, um, we're trusting God for more. I'll just share these two last things and then we close. Hallelujah. Have you learned anything today? Yes, sir. Have you been blessed? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, someone came to my office and shared a very powerful testimony. He was faced with a temptation. Someone, you know, offered him a deal that was not exactly upright. And because he was going through a lot, he was considering it. When I'm here, in the few minutes I'm here, I, I can only give a couple of words of knowledge. You, do you understand what I'm saying? I will say the one I can say and then go. I'm just telling you the power of corporate gathering. So he just came as he was going. A lady he had never seen before just said, Hello, the Lord said I should tell you. Hey, I love this church. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. <laughs> the Lord said I should tell you that this thing, don't do it. He will compensate you. He will give you his own. Have a nice week. <laughs> you was like, what did I just hear? <laughs> Came to my office to tell me. In my mind, I was just like, I love my people. My people. I said, we they see, no be. Have you now? So now, even I, your trainer, I know that no matter how, the way God has designed it, there are some things that he wants to do through you. That's why he's a body. And that's why I abominate, you know, this culture of watching to see if I'm the one preaching. It means you don't get it. Because in the New Testament church, we all get to participate. And so you must believe in the ministry of the Spirit through whoever holds the microphone to stand here and in fact in the ministry of the spirit through you because God may have a word for the person by your side and you have more access to the person than I do and that's the kind of mindset you, let me tell you this sometimes I, I read some things in the Bible and I'm just like in modern day church this doesn't make sense for instance in the Bible there was someone who was op in open sin. They were trying to correct him. He didn't hear. So this is what they did to correct him. Okay, since you will not hear, we are going to forbid you from gathering with us. If you try that in today, some people will say, hey, so wait in your church. But you know, even the Bible language, they said deliver him to Satan because it felt like stopping him from gathering with the church meant that he didn't belong to the ecclesia. And it was something that it was a drastic move. It's a drastic move to not belong to a fellowship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it so they called it deliver to Satan. 1 Corinthians 5. It's a drastic move. So the person by that drastic move learned and repented. Some people, they deliver themselves. They don't worry. <laughs> that when the church said, we will no longer allow you gather with us, he, he, he probably cried. Started crying. Ah, oh yeah, I will change, I will change, I will change. Well, till further notice. Ah, what? Oh my God. And Paul had to write again in, in 2 Corinthians 2. Eh, eh, forgive him, re, you know, reinstate him, restore him, you know, and all of that. 
some other people say, we're waiting, waiting there at church. He said, I do understand. <laughs> you know, so I just read that. Because we have a different view. We think we have a project management view to church, but it's deeper than that. For you have not come to a mount that may be touched or that burns with fire or brimstone. It says you are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, the general assembly and church of the firstborn. It says, and to Jesus, our gathering. Listen, part of the prophecy of the Messiah is this. It says, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Our gathering is to him. Remember that when the person by your side pisses you off, or when you have a fallout with someone in the workers group, or when, you know, you don't really like where they ask you to sit, and it just looks like the protocol has a particular beef for you or you or something like that. My gathering is to Jesus. And to the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So we've, listen, every time we gather, our estimation of the people in attendance is wrong because there are innumerable company of angels. And then our gathering is to Jesus. You know, for me as a preacher, that keeps me on the edge that every sermon I preach, Jesus is listening. You think about that. Just imagine Jesus in the audience because he says our gathering is to Jesus. I've never preached a sermon that Jesus didn't hear. We've never had a service that Jesus didn't attend. He watches everything. My response to the worship, my response to the brethren, my generosity, my prayer attitude, my prayer posture, he watches everything. Hallelujah. God wants a need so strong that the unbelievers will know us by our love. Think about that. They will know us by our love. So by this shall men know that you are my disciples. But, but the way they, when they see us and they can sense the atmosphere of love, they say, not them, or church people. Because there has to be a type of love amongst us that is foreign to the world. That also takes a miracle. But it's possible. Hallelujah. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to body of Christ for a reason and as important as the eyes are they can't survive without the nervous system and without a heart and so that means even when I don't realize that person by my side has more importance to me listen even as a man of God you know Paul could say I can't wait to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gifts to the end that you might be established but in the next verse he says that I might be comforted by the sharing of faith both of you and by myself. Listen, so 
Even as a man of God, I am fed by feeding. The privilege of preaching to you blesses me and preserves me and keeps me accountable. There is nobody in the body of Christ that does not need fellowship. Both clergy and none. We all need each other. And all for the miracle to recognize the importance of the koinonia, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit. It says, be with you all, not just with you as an individual, but in our gathering, meaning there are manifestations of the spirits that we will only see when we are united. Before I drop the microphone, we're going to pray just two very quick prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to see my contribution in the corporate body. Help me. I have been concerned just about my own self, my spiritual growth, you know, how well I'm doing. But now, I have a ministry to the body. The Bible says that the whole body is fitly joined together by that which every joint supply. Lord, in this local church in particular, what is my role? What will you have me do? Help me recognize it. Sometimes, because I don't even see how important my coming is, I, I, I stay away from church and I think no one will notice. But you notice. And maybe I do because I haven't recognized what role you will have me play. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Maybe if I recognize it better, I'll be more tolerant. Because I'm as responsible for this work and the prosperity thereof as the said man, the pastor himself. Help me. Help me. Help me. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. You see, Jesus tells a story about a good Samaritan. And listen, oh my God. Sometimes I look at that story and I'm in tears because it's the predicament of the modern day church that you can be so individualistic of your personal devotion. The people who ignored that guy who was fighting for his life, they were all coming from church. One was a Levite. The other one was the chief priest. All of them were coming from church. They thought that their sacrifice to God is enough. Listen, we think it's just vertical instead of horizontal also. And just the nerve after going to church, offering your sacrifice to see someone in need and, and walk past. Sometimes we're so insensitive. Listen, look at that testimony I shared. God can use you. Some of you, it might not even necessarily be prophetic, at least to your own reckoning, but it might just be an encouragement. Just a compliment. And that might be what the person desperately needed. Lord, I pray in your church, use me to be a blessing. Use me to be a blessing. Walk through me. Walk through me. Walk through me. Walk through me. Help me to recognize corporate responsibility. How I can be a blessing to others besides myself. Walk through me. Walk through me, Jesus. Walk through me. Walk through me. 
Walk through me. Walk through me. Give me a heart of service. A heart of service to want to, to help me to want to be there for someone besides myself. For some of you, you want to say, Lord, my prayers, even my prayers have been so selfish. I only pray for myself. But I repent. I repent. I repent. I repent. I repent. I repent. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Listen, what I'm about to say is difficult, but it's the will of God, and so we will try. In the most discerning way possible. I'm saying discerning because there are some people who are wolves in sheep clothing. But in the most discerning way possible, can we trust God for deep connections in this local assembly? Deep connections. That, that what this Bible talks about, about a friend that sticks closer, closer than a brother, that you can have it in God and in your local church. Deep connections. I, I want you to open your heart to it. Lord, I'm going to try. After we share the grace, I won't just disappear. You, you know, not just because pastor said it, but from my heart. I'm going to want to ask someone, how are you doing? What do you do? You know, and all of that. And establish deep connections. Not because you want relationship. In fact, mostly guys to guys, girls to girls. Listen, listen. We're talking about the love of Christ. No strings attached. Not because, you know, not because you drive a, a good car. Please, listen. Don't, in your trying to obey the word, don't now sin again. You're not sizing people up. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not gauging their dressing. Just from your heart. And, and there, there, there can be like, you can allow the Lord lead you. Trust God for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I have prayed for this one thing. Of all the things that I desire from, for this branch in particular, it is this one. That will be one. That in a culture that is used to relationships that only hang by a thread, you will establish amongst us deep connections. That we will truly be there for one another. Not just encouraging each other to pray, to worship, to come to church, but even in the small things like welfare and just being there for one another. I pray Lord for deep connections. I pray that even others will see the connections here and consider us family. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you Father. In Jesus mighty name we've prayed. Come and say loud amen somebody. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.